children head off to children's church i want to invite you to turn to the book of james chapter one and as you do i want to tell you y'all sound really good this morning that's one of the reasons i like sitting on the front row so i can hear y'all coming at me from behind and you almost knocked me over a time or two y'all were singing loud this morning impressive You know, I told you last week after we jumped into the book of James and we tackled just verse 1, I told you that every week wouldn't be like that, okay? Because we're not going to do just verse 2 this week. In fact, this week we're going to cover 10 verses. So this week is going to be a large portion of Scripture, but I want to go ahead and tell you, I mentioned this on social media this past week, Whatever I preach on, God always makes sure to run me through it before I have to preach it. Last week, preaching about servanthood, all week long I was having to do things to serve other people. And that sounds really funny when I say I had to do things. I was given the opportunity to do things. Let me say it that way. And then as I was preparing to preach about trials this week, oh my goodness. Let me just tell you, it is very difficult to get medicine from Tupelo, Mississippi, and Nashville, Tennessee, to show up to Walmart here in Davenport. Almost four days is how long it takes to get medication. And I was like, I was sitting there in Walmart on Wednesday waiting for a prescription that was supposed to be there on Monday. And I'm fighting everything in my natural human spirit to keep from screaming. First of all, I feel that way in Walmart most times anyway. <clears throat> but I'm sitting there and I'm about to lose it. Just being honest, I'm about to lose it. I'm standing there in line after having been in line, walked around Walmart for 30 minutes, went back in line, walked around for another 30 minutes, got back in line for them to just tell me they didn't have it. And I am, I am just sitting there, on, and, and again, in my inner spirit, I'm about to lose it. And I hear from behind me, Pastor Wade, And I'm going to be honest with you, at first, Eric, I thought it was the Lord. <clears throat> but it was, it was Eric. He was like, I thought that was you. And I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus, because I was going to lose it if there hadn't been somebody here to rein me back in. So while it may have been Eric, I believe it was the Holy Spirit putting him there to keep me from losing my religion in Walmart. I say that, though, to say this, that trials... We're all facing them, right? You're either going through one, you're fixing to go through one, or one just ended. That's life. Life is full of trials. Life is full of tribulations. And, and it's so important for us to recognize, again, as believers. We talked last week about having a new identity that we're servants in Christ. Well, can I tell you, as a new believer, as a person who loves Jesus and gives their soul and life to, to Him, there's got to be a new attitude in us. And that's going to change how we approach things. It's going to change how we handle difficult situations. And there's a story I want to tell you about. In 1920, there was a guy named Natali Oliveira. Anybody know that name? Awesome. That means this is the first time this has ever been used as an illustration in this church. Praise the Lord. In the 1920s, Natali Oliveri ran a small business called True Fruit. In his business, he created uh, drinks, for natural drinks from fruit juices. No preservatives. That was his big thing. No preservatives. But as you can imagine, the market was kind of soft. And so he decided that the thing that was going to really spark his business was he was going to develop a chocolate drink. And so he tried and tried and tried, and the story says that it took him about a year, year and a half, and he kept finding out that every time he tried to make a chocolate drink, it would spoil. 
And so he went in one day after trying, and he'd, he'd made a huge batch of it, and it failed, and he was frustrated, and he went home, and he sat down with his wife as she was canning her famous pasta sauce. And she's there canning this pasta sauce, and he's watching her. And all of a sudden, a light bulb goes off. That's how I'm going to make my chocolate drink. I'm going to do it just like she cans her pasta sauce or jars her pasta sauce. I'm going to put it in, in heat, and I'm going to build the pressure, and it's going to be awesome. He tried six little testers. In the six testers, only two of them were drinkable. The other ones spoiled. He got a little mad, a little frustrated. Story goes that he takes the jar, the one of the jars that didn't work very well, and he just gets mad and starts shaking. And his wife says, why don't you try that next time? So, Mr. Natali goes and he does the same process, except for this time he has the pot shake while he's doing it. The heat's going, the pressure's going, it's just shaking, and it just won't stop shaking, and then he finishes, and he tests it, and it's now a product known as Yoohoo. Any of you ever had Yoohoo? Now, this is the strawberry version because the local Hy-Vee did not have the chocolate version, but Yoohoo. Yoohoo was a business that he sold for a couple of hundred thousand dollars that just recently in the last several years was purchased by Dr. Pepper. And has all of a sudden made a comeback, purchased by Dr. Pepper for, I believe, $12 million. A product that is legitimately just water and chocolate mixed together. But you know what? If he would have never heated it up, if he would have never turned up the pressure, if he would have never shaken it up, it would have never become the product that he was designing it to be. Can I tell you that is why God allows you to go through things? You ever feel like sometimes life, the pressure is just too much? You ever feel like you, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, that your whole world's just shaking? Do you ever feel like somebody has just turned the, pressure, the, the heat up on the stove in your life? Can I tell you, that's how God shapes you. He allows you to be shaken. He allows you to face pressure. He allows the heat to get turned up in our lives sometimes. Not for his entertainment, but for your good and his glory. Let's open the word together. Would you stand as we read from James chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 2 through 12. The word of the Lord reads this way. It says, count it all joy. <laughs> My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. 
so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised those who love him. Father God, we ask today that you would use your word, God, to remind us of your goodness, God, to remind us of your steadfastness. God, to remind us of the protection you placed in our lives. But God, that we may use it in these difficult times, in these difficult days. God, 2020 has been a hard year, Lord. Would you allow us to use your word to realize that trials and tribulations, God, are nothing compared to you. God, they, they can't stand up to what you can do. So, Father, today, would you use your word to teach us, your spirit to lead us. And, God, will we glorify you with all that we do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. There's a few things that I think we need to just get out of the way. Just some basic truths that we need to understand about trials as we jump into this today. The first one is this, trials are going to come. Trials are going to come. You know, I, I know a lot of people that when difficult times happen, they automatically go, this never happens to anybody but me. Right? You know those people, the woe is me people? Oh, why am I the only one who has hard times? Oh, why am I the only one who struggles? Look, trials are going to come in life. Life's not easy. Trials are going to be something you face. And Jesus even guarantees that. Jesus guarantees in John 16, that you're going to face troubles. Let's read what Jesus says. He says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Look, if Jesus says that you can take it to the bank, okay? There are some times when my kids will say, Daddy, can we get ice cream? And I'll say, later. You know what later means? Not today, probably not tomorrow, okay? But Jesus says, trials are going to come. So when bad things happen, I want you to understand, don't be caught off guard. Yes, now, I'm not telling you that, that you can't be a little disappointed or upset when trials come, but you have to understand, they're coming. Okay? I'm going to just ask this question so we can all feel like we're in the same boat. All right? Anybody ever gone through a trial? If you're not raising your hand, I'm going to assume your hand is stapled to your leg. And we have staple removers in the office. We can take care of that later. But that's reality. It's a truth. Trials, troubles, tribulations are going to happen in life. And the quicker you just go ahead and accept that, the easier it is to actually hit the trial head on. You, you, know, you understand when you buy a car that things are going to break on it, don't you? You understand when you move into a house that things are going to break in it. Things are going to have to be replaced. We've lived in the house, and we've lived in the beautiful house that we get to, get to live in for six weeks. We've had to have the floor replaced in the kitchen. We've had to have faucets replaced. We need to have some electrical work done. Guess what? It's bound to happen. Just get used to it. When kids go to school, folks get sick, right? Kids go to preschool. They're going to get sick because they're hanging out with everybody else. Trials are going to come. Life's going to happen. If trials aren't coming, you're dead. And then you've already faced the one big trial in life, and, well, I hope you passed. But the reality is this. Trials are going to come. The other basic truth that we need to understand, specifically as believers, specifically as believers, how we handle our trials speaks volumes about who we are. I've already warned you, trials are coming. How you react to those trials speaks more about you than it does about how hard that trial is. 
You've seen those people, right? You've seen those people in Walmart who couldn't get their prescription filled and they lose it, right? <laughs> We've got to understand that our actions speak loudly. Our actions speak loudly. I, I want to read this verse to you, and this comes from a different translation than, than most of us are carrying, but this is the, the Christian Standard Bible. It's Philippians 127. It says this, Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. I want to ask you, and you can deal with this in your heart. Please don't raise your hand this time. Have you ever responded to a trial in an unchristlike way? And some of you are looking over at spouses <laughs> or at your kids. Listen, because of the new identity, because of the identity now that you and I are followers of Jesus, that we're servants of the King, whatever you do reflects on Him. And so as our new identity has come, a new attitude has to follow. That we have to act differently, see trials differently than we did before. I want to warn you, last week I had three pages of notes. This week I have ten. Hold on, we're on page two. <laughs> How do we face trials, though, with a new attitude? How do we look at a trial and see it not as something to hinder us, but to help us? I'm so glad you asked that question. The first thing we have to see that James writes is this, is we need joy in the middle of the trials. Joy in the middle of the trials. I want to read verse 2 to you. I've already read it once, but let's read it again. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. See, the reality we have to understand is that James is not commanding us to look at a trial and go, Yes! But he's commanding us to have joy in the midst of it. I don't know anybody that's had a flat tire and went, yes, thank you, Lord, for a trial. Right? I don't know anybody that's got a bad diagnosis from the doctor and is like, praise the Lord. Because we're not talking about how we react to finding out the trial, because I've already told you they're coming, but how we react in the middle of it. You see, some of the happiest people I've seen in this world are people who are fighting huge battles. But they know they don't fight them alone. They know they fight them with Jesus. They know they fight them with the church family. They're fighting them with their own family. See, it's not natural for you and I to be excited about trials. It's not who we are. When trials come, well, why me? Have you ever said that? Why me? Why not you? Right? Why not me? Lord, help me. Let me go through a trial so I can be somebody better than I was. See, the thing is, is that we often turn into a two-year-old when trials come. Do we not? We turn into a two-year-old. We just, we pitch a fit, we, we get on the ground, and we start kicking and screaming like a kid didn't get the, the frosted flakes in the, in the grocery store. Oh, I want this. Oh, I can't have it. <sighs> See, we forget that God is looking at you and I as that infant and says, you know what? If I give you everything you want, then guess what you're going to be? Some of you have met people that I know. <sighs> I won't call them by name, but the reality is this, is that we are supposed to look at joy and experience joy in these trials. See, but here's the other problem, is that we get joy and happiness confused. Happiness is an emotion, right? Uh, those of you that uh, are Vikings fans, last week you were happy. It's okay. I'm not trying to split a church, folks. <laughs> Look, I'm a Cowboys fan. We lost to the Browns. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm not talking about happiness. 
You know, puppies can make you happy. They don't give you joy until you have to clean up after them. That's but, but see, we're, happiness is a fleeting emotion. If you live life based on emotions, you're up one moment, down the next. Up one moment, down the next. Loop-de-loop the next, and you don't know what's happening. Roller coaster life is not what God is asking for you. He's calling you to joy. See, the best way to really explain joy is it is a supernatural contentment. Supernatural contentment tied to who you are in Jesus. You can look at trials and tribulations and smile because you know God is with you. See, joy is a choice. I choose to be joyful. Choose to be joyful because I choose Jesus. That's so important for us to understand that we can choose to be joyful. And that choice comes when we submit to Jesus and say, Your will, your way, whatever you want, Lord. There's a few things I want us to see on a why we can express joy, and, and this is one of them here. We, we can express joy because we know that trials are temporary. Trials are temporary. 1 Peter 1.6 says this. It says, in this rejoice. Rejoice that, that now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by trials. Trials are just temporary blips in the mat. Now, again, I told you, everybody's going through trials. You're probably either in one, starting one, or ending one. But you know what? That trial is usually temporary. Just real short blip on the map. I can think of all the trials I've faced in the last two years. You know what I'm not facing? I'm not facing those same trials today that I faced the last two years. Are there extended trials? Yes. Are there extended trials? Yes. You, you can look at things like cancer or, or even uh, Parkinson's or, or hard marriages or difficult family times. You can go, why is this trial extending? The trial extends because the fruit hadn't happened yet. The trial extends because God's still working on you. He's still bending you to His will. And sometimes He's bending you against your will. But trials are temporary. One of the other reasons we can express joy is because we don't suffer alone. You don't suffer alone. You may be sitting here today and you're saying, Well, Pastor, that sounds great, but I'm by myself. No one's around me. My family's gone and, and no one cares for me. Can I tell you, that's a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the devil that nobody cares about you. I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians 1.5, it says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Christ is with you. The trials you suffer, they've already been suffered before. Can I tell you, nothing that is happening to you right now has not happened to someone else. Everything that has ever happened is happening all over again. The old saying is there's nothing new under the sun. Your trials have been experienced by somebody else. Can I encourage you today? If you've gone through difficulties, if you've gone through trials, and you see somebody else going through the same trials, can you go tell them there's light at the end of the tunnel? Can you just go look at them and tell them, say, it'll be over soon? See, we, we've got to understand that we're not in these trials alone. In fact, we read in, in Romans 8, 17, it says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may share in His glory. Jesus is not allowing you to suffer by yourself. For me, this next one is one that we have to really look past our own faces to see. We have to look past our own uh, shortcomings to really see this one, but I want us to grasp this. So we can express joy because God gets 
the glory. If our life is about glorifying Him, then we can take that supernatural joy that He gives us, and as we go through those trials, as we go through those difficulties, as we suffer, that we suffer for Him, and we can look in people's eyes, and when they say, how are you doing? You just look at them and you say, you know what, it's been tough, but to God be the glory. You're going through something difficult. I know right now people in our, in our congregation, people that are watching on live stream are going through things difficult. And I want you to understand this. When you get on the other side, when people go, I can't believe how strong you were, would you look at them and tell them, it's not because of me, it's because of him. Because when you do that, oh my goodness, when you do that, what you've done is you've told them the gospel in a snippet. You said, I survived because God's good. And I trusted that. And I believed that. Number two. Number two is this. Trials produce fruit. Trials produce fruit. Verse 3 and 4. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be imperfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, Christians can face trials with joy because we know that the trial will come to an end. Trials are a method of spiritual whittling. That God's taking off the things that you don't need anymore. He's eliminating the people in your life that you don't need there. And he's, he's, he's taking and he's shaping you and he's carving you. And can I tell you, whittling, it could be a painful process. No one said that the trials were easy. I saw a guy the other day in a, one of my favorite television shows that I like to watch called The Office. Some of you have seen that. I saw a guy whittling with a knife, making a knife. Can I tell you that you may not understand why God is cutting away the things in your life, but he's got a purpose? Even when nobody else sees it, even when you don't see it, God's got a purpose behind that. See, James writes this, he says, you know. I love how he writes this. He says, for you know. These people had gone through trials. They had gone through difficulties. They had seen the enemy attack. And they knew that when they fought, when they did what they were supposed to do, when they faced these trials of joy, that God looked at them and he used them for great and mighty things. I know you can't tell by looking at me, but I used to lift a lot of weights. Now I just stand up and lift a lot of weights. But I used to lift a lot of weights. And one of the things about lifting weights is in order for your muscles to grow, you know what you have to do to them? I don't know who said it. you got to break them down. you got to rip them. In fact, the, the soreness that you experience from working out is actually the healing of ripped muscle tissue. When I was younger, we would... And we'd work out doing powerlifting stuff. We'd sit there and we'd work out. And we'd burn out. And then we'd have to stand in front of the mirror and flex. <laughs> Don't make me go Hulk Hogan on you. But we would do that. And part of that is it sends blood flow to the torn muscles. And all of a sudden, what we recognize is this, is that in order for things to grow, in order for you to grow, sometimes you've got to be broken down. Sometimes you've got to be ripped apart. Sometimes we have to face pain. See, in order for a tree to grow from a seed, what has to happen? Death. Nobody looks at death and says, yes. But it brings life. It brings the fruit we need. We have to suffer some pain to get the gain. Have you ever seen those people that are, <laughs> we used to tell, say they've skipped leg day? Those people who are like really wide up top and they walk like this because they can't put their arms down because their muscles are so big, but their legs look like pencils. 
I think you've seen them the way you're laughing over here. <laughs> Can I tell you, uh, that is a mark of an immature bodybuilder. You focus in on just one set of muscles. God looks at you and your spiritual body and he says, okay, you know what? You got big biceps, but your legs, your legs need work. And so he sends the trials to, to the areas that you need to grow. It's that old saying, don't pray for patience. Got to make, make you get it. <laughs> the reality is God knows your weak spots. And if he wants to grow you to maturity, he's going to allow trials in the places that you're weak. See, Peter says this in 1 Peter 7, or 1, verse 7 through 8. He says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire. May it be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So Peter says your faith is like gold being refined anybody in here a goldsmith just checking that way i make sure i get the number right the temperature that gold melts at 5178 degrees 5178 degrees 73 degrees i didn't want you to google it and call me a liar 5173 that's hot but that's the temperature that's required to make it pure. And God wants you to be pure. He wants you to be right. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be usable for his kingdom. And so if it takes him cranking the temperature up in your life to 5,173 degrees, he will do it. Because God is not satisfied with half hearted faith in fact he tells us in revelation he'll spit you out for that third thing that i need you to see is that god gives you the tools for the trial god gives you the tools for the trial see god doesn't just throw you to the wolves he doesn't just say well here's the trial have fun i'll be back in a little while to check on you that's not the kind of God we serve. God gives you what you need, when you need it, how you need it. See, I have this bad habit in my family of if I need a flathead screwdriver and I can't find one, you know what I use? Butter knife. Praise the Lord. I'm not the only weirdo. But you know what you do when you use a butter knife as a flathead? You bend the knife. You make it unusable. I tell you, God doesn't say, oh, you got a problem, here's a butter knife. God says, here's the tools you need. Here's how we get past this. And James lays these out very clearly for us. And I think there's five things, and James gives us four, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't leave me alone until I mentioned him as the fifth one. So let's get to this. The first one is that you got to have prayer. Tools for trial. Prayer. Now look, I didn't say this was a, a list that was a, Duh, Liz, this is pretty easy. You know you got to pray. When do you pray the most? When trials are coming, when good things are going on, you're like, I'll pray when I need it. Please don't be that way. But pray. He says, ask God. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So ask. What a great relief it is to know that the, the creator of heaven and earth says, you need something? I'm here. So often, he says, you need something, I'm here, and you go, I'm good. And you run to somebody else for help. Run to something else for help. Reality is this, is if you can ask God for it, then why not? Why not ask him? The great theologian of the late 1980s, M.C. Hammer, You've got to pray just to make it today. 
You've got to pray. You've got to pray just to make it through every day, amen? Why? Because there's trials and struggles and difficulties every single day. So pray. Ask God for help. What do we pray for? I think that's the second tool there, wisdom. He says, if any of you lack it, he'll give it to you. Pray for wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge. It's the appropriate application of knowledge. Can I tell you, uh, luckily I've been gifted with a great education growing up. Went to a top-level high school, went to a top-level private school, went to a top-level place for a master's, and have like a third of a doctorate degree. I've been blessed with a lot of information. My grandfather taught me things that he probably shouldn't have taught me. I've learned all kinds of things, but you know what? If I don't apply them, they're wasted. If you read this thing from front to back and you don't apply it, can I tell you what you've done with it? Thank you. I don't even have to say it. Y'all know. It's like the guy, and don't act like this isn't you fellas, that gets the instruction manual and throws it in the garbage. I don't need that. And you wonder why you end up with five extra screws. I testify that's me. The reality is this, is that if you want to know how to handle the situation, go to God about it. Don't go to everybody else, but go directly to the source of wisdom. Because you remember the beginning of wisdom starts with fear of the Lord. See, we got to we go from prayer to wisdom to faith. <laughs> faith. Now, why do we understand that faith is so important? Look at verse 6. <laughs> Just setting the mood, people. Just setting the mood. Verse 6. <laughs> It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven, tossed by the wind. Look, you've got to have faith. You can't just say, well, God, give me wisdom. He might. That's like my kids again asking about the ice cream. Can we have ice cream? Maybe. Because <laughs> they know I'm not going to give it to them. The reality is this. is We have to have faith to go through every trial. Do you believe that God is a good, loving Father? Do we trust that He's going to protect us? Do we believe that He is with us? Do we believe it's His will to do good for His people? That's faith, folks. Believing those things and trusting those things and not just saying they're in a book, but applying it to my life. To say in my heart that God is good and no matter what difficulties I go through, at the end of the day, He's still on the throne and I'm still His child. I'm excited the women's women group is going to do daughter of a king, but guess what? I'm a son of a king. I'm, I know that He is watching out for me. But see, we don't just go with prayer and wisdom and faith. We have hope. Hope. Can I tell you that's a word that this world needs to hear a little bit more often. Hope. What do we hope in? Can I tell you we hope in these things in eternity? We hope in eternity. We have a hope and reminder that these trials are but for a moment. They're fleeting and failing, but the Lord Jesus is eternal. And His glory is everlasting to everlasting. We recognize that this is not the end. This life is just a doorway to the next eternity. So we have hope. But here's the one that I kept, I, I, was, I was prepared and I said, oh, that's great. That's those, those four. Thank you, Lord. I'm ready to move on to the next point you have for me. He said, I'm not done with that yet. He does that sometimes. I, the other day I had my sermon finished on Monday and on Tuesday God added another page and on Wednesday he added another page and I was like, Lord, thought I was done and he would not let me get away from this one 
And I, think, I fear it's one in the Baptist church we have gotten away from. The last tool that we need for our trials is the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, these are the words of our Lord Jesus. He says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus says this, he goes, I'm good, I'm great, I'm going to save you. I've done all these amazing things, but you need me to leave so the helper can come, so the comforter can come. Can I tell you, oh my goodness, the comforter has been with me this week. Oh, it's just me. Okay, praise the Lord. He's been with me this week. See, do you realize that the very Spirit of God is in you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the very Spirit of God lives in you. And the power of God is in you. So you can look at that trial and say, ha ha, you're temporary. You can look at that trial and say, oh, I can't wait to see what things you're going to bring out in me. You can look at that trial. Oh, you can look at that person who's a trial and go, be gone. See, it's not only that he's right here with us, but he's in us. He's not just in this room when we're worshiping. He's outside the four walls. He's with you at the Walmart pharmacy. He's with you in the drive-thru at Starbucks. He's with you all the time. In the mountaintops, with our men right now that are in men's retreat or on a mountaintop experience, can I tell you what's going to happen the moment they come home? The enemy is going to swing away. And I pray that they stay on that mountaintop, but can I tell you, between mountaintops, there's always a valley. Guess what? He's the same God in that valley. Oh, <laughs> see, he's the same God during the sunshine and the storms. He's the same God in the cancer as he is when you're cancer-free. See, that gives me a peace that I can't even put into words. In fact, Paul says it's a peace that passes all understanding. He's with you, the Holy Spirit of God. But can I tell you something? If you don't have Jesus, you don't have that tool. Years ago, went through a very difficult season in the church I was pastoring. We had, I mentioned before, a, a gentleman, Eddie, that had gotten hit, in a, by a or hit on a motorcycle and had been laid up in the hospital. Well, a week after that happened, three of our church members went to go visit him and had a car wreck on the way to go visit him. A husband and wife and their friend and the two ladies didn't make it. And I remember talking to the husband who was distraught, obviously. And he looked at me and he said, Brother Wade, I don't know how anybody makes it without you. He just lost his whole world. They had just celebrated their 50th anniversary. And he said, I don't know how anybody makes it without Jesus. I don't know how anybody would want to make it without Jesus. I've told you trials are going to happen. We need to face them with joy. We need to face them with the realization that God has provided everything you need for it. But can I tell you, I told you trials are coming, but they're going to end. Fourth thing today is triumph through the trials. Triumph through the trials. See, we don't just triumph to the end of the trial, we triumph all the way through the trials. And when we get to the other side of the trial, there's a, there's a victory. There's a reward we receive. And it says here in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. 
which God has promised to those who love Him. There's two things real quickly I want to draw out of this verse is that James writes this, he says, the one who perseveres. Are there going to be people who don't do well that call themselves believers in Jesus when trials come? Yeah. Maybe that's been you at times. I'm not, I don't want you to be ashamed of that at all. Maybe you didn't understand that God was with you through it. Maybe you had a knee-jerk reaction. But can I tell you, though, those who persevere, God blesses them. God rewards them. And he's even promised us that we can find victory in those things. 1 John. 1 John 5, 4. Reads this way, it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. I, I, this is just my personal experience, and maybe you can say something differently. I've never seen anybody go through a trial, come through on the other side, and be weaker in their faith. I've never seen it. Maybe you have. I've never seen it. Because what happens as you walk through trials, as you walk through difficult moments, you begin to realize these things. Oh, this was just temporary. Oh, I made it through this. God was with me. God held my hand and got me through this. Yesterday, we were, as a family, we spent some time out shopping. I hate shopping. But I live in a house with five women. Amen. That's why we had a male dog, so we try to balance it out. So we went shopping. And we were driving over into the old Navy parking lot. And there's a van. Maybe you've seen it. A man sitting out there in a blue caravan. He has how long he's been out of work. And I've seen him several times. In fact, I think I saw him when we came for the first time in May, sitting out there. But yesterday was different. He had written on the side of his van, God hates me. Man, ate me up. I got mad at first. Can I just be honest with you? <laughs> I was like, oh, somebody needs to tell him God doesn't hate him. Ooh. Frustrated. Dropped Rachel off at Old Navy. Praise the Lord. The whole family didn't have to go in. My kids were all thirsty, so we went to Sonic, got down to Sonic, and my oldest said, Daddy, you should get that guy some food. <laughs> and it's still in the inside, the flesh of me was like, no. But I got him a chicken tender kids meal. We drove back through the parking lot, got up there to give it to him, and I had the window rolled down. I handed it to him. He said, thank you, and I pointed my finger in his face. And I said, God doesn't hate you. He loves you. I was ready. I was ready. I was like, bring it on. And he said, thank you. And after that, my heart went, oh, because all I could think of was a man's going through a trial. He's going through a difficult season. He's facing tribulation that we all face in different ways. And really the thing that may pull him out, and it ain't going to be me, it ain't going to be the chicken, it's going to be that God loves him. And all I could think about after that day, after that moment yesterday was this, is that how many folks are going through trials and tribulations and hurts and pains and they just need to hear that? Church, can I just, can I just speak that over you right now? No matter the 
struggles, no matter the addictions, no matter the hurts, no matter the, the hang-ups or the, or the disappointments, can I just say this to you? God loves you. He wants you to triumph. He wants you to win. He wants you to succeed. I'm not saying he wants you to have the biggest house and the most money and the newest car. I'm telling you, he wants you to have faith. So at the end of the day, you can get the prize, which is the crown of life. The crown of life comes from the ancient Greece people. You know, they, they created the Olympics. And they would do the, the races and the events. And at the end, if you won, you got a crown that was woven together, usually some sort of vine or even sometimes olive branches woven together. And you were crowned the winner. You didn't get gold medals. You didn't get endorsement prizes. You got a crown of some kind of floral thing that said, you survived. Can I tell you that the crown of life we get is not just some floral crown that says you survived. It's a crown of glory that Jesus will place on your head that you get to take and lay at his feet. There's nothing, nothing that I want you to know more today than this. The trial is temporary. Jesus, it's eternal. Cling to Jesus. Church, if you're going through a trial today, church member, I want to invite you to the altar today. And you're like, well, people will know then. <laughs> Who cares? Jesus already knows. If you're going through a trial, I want to invite you to come pray at the altar today. You can pray at your seat if you need to, but you need to pray and ask for God's wisdom. Or maybe today you're lost and you say, I'm facing all these trials without this helper you speak of. Why would you face this world without help from Jesus? I want to offer that to you today. Today you can meet Jesus. I want to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to pray. Worship team's going to come. and I'm up here and we've got Paul up here with me too. But if you need to speak to somebody today about your difficulties, your struggles, your hurts, we're here to pray with you. If you want to give your life to Jesus, we're here to pray with you. Or maybe you've got another trial that you need us to pray with you about. We're here for you. He's here for you. Father God, we just thank you. God, we thank you for your presence in this room today. God, I thank you, Father, that... that